Welcome back to Heading West, where we're bringing you the frontier of capital markets in Web3. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring Wonder. So for today's guest, we have the CEO of Wonder on. His name is John Andrew. So John, thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So John, to kick things off, I'd love to hear kind of like the inception story of how you started Wonder. Also, if you can give an elevator pitch of what Wonder is for anyone listening or watching today. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll sort of start with a, with a quick background. Um, so I've, I've sort of been an internet kid since I was pretty young, started my first company when I was 13, 14, um, and really did that all throughout high school. And uh, out of high school, started my first venture backed company with my co-founders called Coder, basically an enterprise developer tool company that ended up being pretty successful. We raised about $45 million from all the big VCs and a bunch of big enterprise customers and all that sort of cool stuff. So obviously, you know, uh, an incredible journey and a ton of stories to tell from that. Um, and then somewhere in between, I became a Teal Fellow, 30 under 30, all that fun stuff. Uh, I stepped down as CEO of that company in basically the beginning of 2022, 2022 or 2021, uh, 2021. And, uh, you know, at the time I was 23 and like, okay, like, you know, not done yet. What's next? And, um, I'd rented this cabin out in Colorado to sort of get away and think about the world. And, you know, the whole experience was just kind of broken, right? Um, you know, place didn't look like the photos, communication was bad. And I think that's something that we've all experienced, right? You go and rent a really cool vacation rental or otherwise, or what you think was going to be cool. And then it's, it's just not. And um, at the time, I was really thinking about this idea of verticalization, right? And when you apply it to the short-term rental space, you have a very like interesting dynamic. So up top, you have the platforms like Airbnb and VRBO. Underneath that, you have the property managers like Vacasa, Evolve, et cetera. And then underneath that, you have the actual asset owners, which in this case are just the homeowners. And so that's a lot of different parties involved in like one transaction, which is why you sort of see all that pressure on the transaction as a guest, you know, lots of fees, et cetera, it's just because there's so many parties. Um, and it's also why the experience is so unpredictable and inconsistent because, you know, there's three parties all trying to coordinate, um, which doesn't really ever work out well, especially if you're familiar with like group projects and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> and so the idea for Wander was what if we could build the booking platform? What if we could run the property management? And what if we could actually be the asset manager? And if we were able to be all of those parties, then could we create this radically better experience for guests? And so... That's uh, that's what we built, and um, and yeah, it's been a been a wild ride since. No, it's really incredible what you guys have done, and you know, congratulations to you though with an incredible background and you know lots of success and some incredible success with Wonder. It's really interesting, in my opinion, how you guys are, like fully integrated all the flaws per se that you've seen with other marketplaces and whatnot, and kind of combine them all. I feel like that's always how companies end up, you know, becoming successful and kind of taking the reins from others is really, really fully integrating everything into one stack. So that's really interesting. How many uh, properties you guys have currently on the platform? Yeah, so there's only 14 locations to date, and then we should hopefully be as close to 50 as possible by the end of the year. So there should be a, a wander within three hours of like 90% of people in America by the end of the year, which will be exciting. No, that's super exciting. I also saw you guys have some incredible amenities. So that's something I definitely want to touch on. I saw on some of your guys' properties, you even have Teslas that are fully charged and ready for um, people to use throughout their stay. You guys have high-speed Wi-Fi, and all the properties look incredible. In my opinion, it looks like the Ritz-Carlton of short-term vacation rentals, if that's <laughs> what we want to call it. 
No, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the at the end of the day, you have to think about what product guests are buying, right? And they're buying, um, I mean, the real end product <clears throat> is really this idea of happiness, right? It's like you want to you create these memories and get away and, um, and yeah, just like enjoy yourself. And in order to do that, you want to arrive at a place that is safe and comfortable and clean and inspiring and <clears throat> everything works and there's, you know, support and a great concierge and then we do go a little bit overboard and some of the features, um, <clears throat> you know, we have obviously the Tesla that's there for guests to use. Um, you can control the whole house right through the phone. So like turning on and off the lights right through the Wander app is something that I feel is, is really magical. And then we try and take it a step further too, um, even with like the check-in experience. Uh, normally when you roll up to a vacation rental, it's uh, lights are off like you kind of feel like you're breaking into someone's house. You're not really sure. It's like you check all the closets. Um, but for Wander, we wanted to make it feel really welcoming. And so the lights are all turned on automatically. The music is playing. And you just kind of know that this place is, is for you and, and just you. Um, and so, yeah, the experience is, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really beautiful thing that we spend a lot of, lot of time on. And so far, customers really love it. Our customer satisfaction is like, 93%. Um, and for context, birthdays in America are 89%. So uh, you're just as likely to, uh, to enjoy that birthday feeling um, at a wander as you are on your actual birthday. And of course, if you go to a wander on your birthday, I'm sure it's even better. Love it. That's an incredible stat too. And I actually can 100% back John up on that as I've actually seen you guys do some special things for people on Twitter that have just, you know, tweeted about, you know, their birthday stays at some wander locations and properties. So that's awesome there. And I'm curious too, like the inception story, like of the funding side. So I know it's very hard to get funding, especially as a startup. Is Wonder VC backed? Was it self-funded to kick things off? And kind of what does that look like? Yeah, so Wonder has raised $32 million of equity to date. We are VC backed. So backers include Redpoint, QED, SUSE, Fifth Wall, and a whole bunch of others. And yeah, the, the story is, Building building Coder, I collected a base of investors and individuals who sort of saw how I operated um, in terms of being a CEO, but then also just who I was as a person, um, <clears throat> which I think is something that's like really critical. Um, I think a lot of founders sort of forget about like their business ethics and just ethics overall. And um, like life is life is long and short at the same time. And so like being a good person is is really critical. Um, it's also just, I think a better way to live life, but, um, but yeah, in terms of wander, you know, I was really fortunate that a bunch of coders investors were very keen to work with me again. So <clears throat> basically over the course of a few saves, um, we raised eight, eight ish million dollars across our pre-seed seed. And that was, that was led by Redpoint. No, that's huge for you. I mean, especially, I think it's interesting applying your previous success and your relationships and connections into your new endeavors is super valuable as, as you know, firsthand. Yeah, so, you know, when you're, which I realize isn't like super actionable, it's it's interesting. Like I think people, like people ask for fundraising advice and otherwise all the time, <clears throat> and they always ask, they always make the mistake of asking, um, what was it like raising capital for Wander? Um, which it's it's the reason it's a mistake to ask that question is because, like I had already built a a company and sort of created that network. And so my answer is always like the absolute worst answer for an entrepreneur, which is like, like, you know, go build a successful company and then like you'll get a bunch of term sheets. I think the more interesting answer is when you go back 
to coder, um, being 17 years old um, and having this product and having to raise our seed round, that was really like reaching out to absolutely everyone under the sun. Uh, I think every VC uh, got a cold email from me, you know, didn't have a LinkedIn at the time. Um, and it was, it was so wild. I remember my first pitch was to Google Ventures. That was my first ever VC pitch, um, which the reason I was introduced to them was because we used Google Cloud as our cloud provider. And I like harassed our sales rep. I'm like, come on, like, get it, <laughs> get it, do something, do something like, uh, which he did. And I'm, I'm always grateful for him for that. Um, and so I think that flashing back to, to that timeline um, is, is far more correct, which is have an idea, build a team or like whatever you can um, and make as much progress as you can in terms of, you know, what is it? What is the product? What is the story? Put together the deck. And then really it just turns into a funnel game. You know, find the group of investors that are most excited and have a thesis in the space and go and pitch to them and build your company alongside it. And it's not going to be easy. I think it took probably four-ish months um, to raise our seed for, for Coder. Um, and that was $4 million at a $12 million cap. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just be persistent, ask for help, be humble. And um, it's not, it's really not easy. Um, so, but you can do it. It's like, there are going to be many challenges in building a company and fundraising is, is one of the easier ones, even though it still is super hard. Yeah, no, super insightful, you know, for everyone listening. It's funny because I work in the online capital raising space. So when someone doesn't go down, you know, your typical VC route or whatnot, come over our way just because they can set their own terms, set their own valuations, et cetera. I saw you guys have a REIT on Wonder and um, would love if you can kind of share what you guys are going to do with that. I saw the minimum is at $10,000, um, you know, to get in. If you can shed some light on that, that'd be great. Yeah. So finance is, is obviously the other side of real estate. And when you look at the world around you, the built world around you, <clears throat> it's, it's really fascinating because you see these businesses that operate in them, but then you sort of think like, okay, like who funded this hundred million dollar, billion dollar building, right? Like who owns the actual infrastructure of this hotel that I'm staying at. And you, know, you sort of dive into it. And uh, basically what you find is there's a bunch of REITs or you know private equity groups, et cetera, that basically finance this real estate and then <clears throat> obviously get leads, gets leased out to the operator. So we, we obviously saw asset management as part of, the, part of the stack when we were coming up with this verticalized idea, right? You want it to own the platform the guest experience and then the asset management. And that was the only way to really control the whole, the whole experience. And so we evaluated a bunch of different vehicles and what would make sense. And ultimately we decided that the most exciting world was a world where our customers could own a piece of the network where you could go and stay at one of the houses and then own a chunk of that and get your dividend and then eventually have all other types of perks, right? Like, you know, prime dates and otherwise, and really blur the lines between customer and owner while also having a vehicle that was attractive to institutional investors as well, right? Because it's this like brand new high yielding asset category and, you know, the black rocks of the world, et cetera. You know, this is also very interesting. So we went ahead and, and put it together as a REIT. Um, REITs have been around for a very long time. Um, and basically the advantage is, is that, uh, 
the IRS really likes it when people invest in infrastructure. And so if you meet certain qualifications, basically you have to distribute 90% of your income to your shareholders and a whole bunch of other things, which are really good for investors. Then um, you obviously, the product is, is eligible for REIT status and, um, and you're off into the, off to the races. So it's obviously very expensive to set up. It's very, um, uh, it's a lot of work as you would imagine. So we, we, we spent around a million dollars across accounting and legal and all that sort of fun stuff, just putting it, putting it all together. Um, but the end product is something that's not janky, which in the world of alternative investments, I think is super rare, right? You get all these like, mm-hmm. random, like offerings where you kind of dive in and you're like, this is not good for investors at all. It's inefficient. Like you get, there's double taxation, there's all these issues. And so we sort of, um, went down the old fashioned route, I guess, of putting together a very like well-known vehicle and structure, but doing it in a very different way. Um, and the cool thing is too, is that basically the step process is, is sort of, as you talked about earlier, you know, you launch to accredited investors, you have that minimum, but then you go and register it as a public non-listed REIT. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's no limitation. You can be unaccredited and that's where things get, in my eyes, like really cool, right? It's like you go on a trip and a certain amount gets automatically invested in the read and like all that sort of fun stuff. So anyway, it's, um, yeah, it was a lot of work, really hard to build. A lot of the things with Wander is hard to build. Um, even going back to the Tesla, I mean, we basically had to build like Turo in the app just so people could like use the Tesla. Wow. And like, you know, with, with the read, we effectively built like Fundrise or CrowdStreet or like all these different, um, like real estate investing platforms, like we had to build that for the REIT. Um, but the end product is something that's great for users. And it's a really beautiful flywheel where, you know, people stay at a property and they want to invest and more investors equals more properties and more properties equals more guests. And you have this like really beautiful um, community and product and um, yeah, just a, an elegant solution. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I love how you broke that down. Like, I thought that was perfect. And it's funny, too, because it's like the exact thesis I have personally, and especially like the own company I work for, um, as you know, our main goal and mission is to democratize private capital markets. And we operate in like the reggae space a lot, which allows companies, you know, to raise it to $75 million from both retail and credit investors. And the, the real beauty of it is you can, you know, turn your fans, customers and followers into lifelong investors. So I think you hit it on the spot. I definitely think a lot more companies are going to start raising capital through this route, whether that be like a REIT with what you guys are doing or different exemption offerings, um, just because it, I think it makes sense. I feel like the whole landscape has changed a lot. I think VCs are great at what they do, and there's definitely a huge component for like that field. But also, I've never seen more companies and like employees trying to align closer as well as like with their customers. So it's super interesting that you touched on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that in the early stages of a company, um, like there's so much value creation. And like that was something that we did in our last round is like I added as many people from the community into the round as like humanly possible. Um, And we didn't do it in like a complicated way, right? Like we just, we didn't like syndicate it out or anything. Everyone was just like on the cap table. So it was a little bit of a party round. Um, But it's like, I love bringing people along for the journey. And the idea too of like, hey, I love this product experience. I love staying at this home and I actually own a piece of it and I benefit from like, and it's not like, oh, I own a part of this community and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any utility. Like it's a real financial product that issues real dividends. And like you have 
like real shares and this real network of real estate that if we sell one of the houses, like that's like worth money. Like it's a tangible thing, um, which I think is like very much what this, the whole idea of web three was like really trying to get at and is still trying to get at is this idea mm-hmm. of like, how do you make your users owners and like, how do you have that be really meaningful? Um, and yeah, to me, like, I, th- I think you can close your eyes and see the future of Wander over the next three, four, five years. And it's, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who all own a piece of this network. And, you know, it's just a, a great experience. No, most definitely. I have to ask now that you brought up Web3, is that something that's on the roadmap or, you know, has been maybe a fun discussion to throw around between maybe you and a few execs over at Wonder? Yeah, so when I was originally thinking about how I wanted to structure it, I had a few, um, I had a few different things that were really important to me. I wanted it to be accessible to absolutely everyone. Um, I wanted for it to be freely tradable. I wanted it to be as liquid as humanly possible. And obviously that points to like some type of tokenization or otherwise, or some type of like public offering. Um, yeah. The issue is for Wander is because it's a real security. Um, it's a security. Like you can't, yeah. uh, you can't just go and tokenize it um, <laughs> without like, you know, Very true. Very true. The, you know, the SEC or otherwise um, because it, it pays dividends, right? It, like it doesn't pass the house test. Um, so that sort of like took that off the table because like, um, as much as I love like the technology and community, um, it's just, it's not legal. Um, and like, I didn't want to go and set up some like Bahamian corporation or I don't know, something like for a really long time. Um, and we also think that like, although regulators are, can be a little slow, like they do have like most of the time, like the right intentions and like making sure that these products are like good for investors and otherwise. So that's sort of why we went down the REIT, the REIT path. Um, now, what is very interesting is once the REIT is, is publicly registered, so non-listed, but publicly registered, and you know, it's a publicly registered security, you can do a lot of really interesting things. Though, of course, going back to the idea of if it was tokenized, it would have to go through um, like basically exchanges that had like their broker dealer licenses and otherwise. And that's obviously like, uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the way that we did it because it accomplishes the same community goal. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the hope is obviously over the next decade or so for regulators and technologists to sort of mesh correctly um, and sort of understand each other. But for now, we're able to accomplish that goal in a way that regulators and investors all understand. And the IRS, you know, sees your 1099 dividend issuance and like it's all it's all good and um, all that sort of fun stuff. So, so, yeah, maybe at some point, but um, but we're, we're a little bit boring in in that capacity. <laughs> no, it's super interesting. But I, you know, it's I think it's a good thing that it's on the table as I think it's like the right mindset for people to have and. Sounds like if regulators get there, you know, down the road, hopefully within this decade, there could be some, you know, a nice integration within Wonder and whatever, you know, network that may be. So yeah, there's so many cool potentials, right? I mean, you think about like a loyalty product that like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many really amazing um, ideas. Um, but yeah, it's just a question of candidly, like making sure that you're like 
um, yeah, just doing things correctly, which, you know, we, um, we as a company, we take ourselves like really seriously um, in terms of delivering a great guest experience, in terms of delivering value for our shareholders. And so we're sort of going to, you know, err on the side of caution. Um, but yeah, doing, doing so while still being like wildly innovative at the same time. Yeah, I love it. It's definitely the right mindset. I think you guys did take the correct approach just because when it comes to tokenization, even some of the current broker dealers on the digitization side, like it's still a little bit of the wild, wild west. And Absolutely. there's definitely some room for improvement on all fronts. And the SEC does not like that. And I would think that, you know, some major, you know, some major people being a wonder, you know, wouldn't be the most excited if there was, you know, digital token flying around currently. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's the other thing too, right? Is that yeah. like, Wander does have institutional partners, like large, you know, international institutional banks and otherwise, and those reporting requirements hold us to a very high standard. And so, yeah, that's absolutely right as well is that we do have institutional investors. And so those same um, protections and rigors and reporting and everything there is, is the same for, for our, our investors in the REIT. No, it makes perfect sense. I'm sure you've had some rejection letters from some large VCs. Has anyone ever given you a rejection letter of like, why would we use Wander with Airbnb? I feel like yeah. there has to be some like funny, some funny communication that you've seen where, you know, obviously you guys are very successful now, but would love if you can share it with us. Yeah. So, you know, it's actually interesting. So when, when I first started the company, um, it was just me and like the idea, no deck, no, like anything, like maybe I, I'd put the site up like a small, like website. Um, and like, imagine this like developer tool founder, like waving his hands around talking about this verticalized ecosystem and this great brand. And it's like, yeah. And then we're going to launch a re and like, people are going to be able to own a piece of the network. Like you sort of seem like a little crazy um, because it's hard to see. What was interesting was though, is the amount of people who said yes. Um, so like nine out of 10 investors that I pitched in the pre-seed and seed said yes um, to invest. That's incredible. Um, in the series a, we, I probably went out to, I don't even know how many firms, um, maybe it was 20 ish. Um, and a lot of them were like very keen. We, we were very fortunate at the end of the day that there were, there were a lot of options. Um, and we did, we did get told no by, by some, a much smaller percentage than, um, than is normal, but we did get told told no by some. Um, and a lot of it, I think, was around, like, number one, at that point, the company was, gosh, eight months old. Um, and we had just launched the platform. So we had about $250,000 in revenue from people who basically, like, did the paid wait list. Um, and then, so, like, kind of like Tesla pre-orders, basically. And then mm -hmm. we did about 250K in our first week of the platform actually being live. Um, and then that's when we closed our Series A. It was like, hey, we need to grow and scale. Like things are working. People are excited. And so that's really where we saw the nose was really before we launched because that future was still kind of blurry. Um, but the one thing I will say is that just because a, a VC says no, let's say in your seed or your Series A, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't like keep in touch um, and also try and solve their objections, right? Because these, they are, you know, some, there are some very brilliant people. And so 
solving for the objections that they have, they may find an area of your business that isn't correct and you need to change or otherwise is super important. And then they get to watch you execute over the next you know, six months and you keep them in the loop and then they end up investing in your, in your next round. So we didn't see really anyone say no to us because Airbnb or VRBO or some competitor was in the space. I think if anything, it's a bullish signal that there's an $80 billion public company and that's like the only other good option. And so it's like, okay, yeah. you know, what if Wander is like one eighth as good? Like, that's a great outcome. Like, um, mm -hmm. especially when you're looking at it in terms of like your series A price. Um, so yeah, we didn't get, we didn't get told no for, for that. I think really the only reasons we were told no is because like some folks just didn't think we were far enough along. But at the end of the day, like I said, like a very large population did and we ended up doing the round with qed um and that was really because they have such a vision and expertise on the fintech side and that was the next piece of the company that we were launching and building so you know we were really strategic at the end of the day with our our firm and partner choice and couldn't couldn't be happier that's huge i think you touched on some incredible points especially for a lot of like founders and builders that are you know going to be tuning in but I like how you spoke on working with strategic investors. I think that's something like I've seen personally within the own, my own company that I work at is when we talk to partners or even investors coming in, we're raising a series A currently, but uh, more of a side note, but it's always like, you don't want just capital in my opinion, at the end of the day, you want people that can provide value within the company or like business model that you're working to grow. So I think that was super interesting that you touched on you want, that. You want as many smart people thinking about the same problems you are. Yeah, no, it's super well said. So currently, what would you say is like the hardest part of operating Wonder? And then what was the hardest part to build? Yeah, so the the hardest part of, of Wander is really, um, it's really always speed, which I think is the same thing in every startup, right? And when you have a business that has so many different components, you really have to come up with an operating methodology where everything's running in parallel. So I always use this example of certain things take time to bake. Um, like good software just takes time to bake, right? It takes, you know, yeah, you can launch a website in, you know, two, three weeks, but like, is it going to be good? Like how long is it going to take you to like get that thing polished or like, yeah, you can launch an app in two or three weeks, but like how long is it going to take you to have that actually be a really good product? And so when you take a look at Wander, you have all these different components, right? You have the booking platform, so that's web and app. And also, of course, like Android and iOS. So right off the bat, you have like three, three platforms just for booking. And then you have the payment processing and the insurance and like that whole dynamic. So it's basically like Airbnb's front end. And then behind the scenes of that, you have the whole backend infrastructure, which we call Wander OS, which automatically schedules cleaners, calendar coordination, um, because everything is really automated as much as possible in terms of turnovers and all that sort of cool stuff. Um, so you have this whole backend infrastructure that's coordinating with the frontend infrastructure in terms of actually orchestrating like all the logistics. Um, and then underneath that, you obviously have like the read itself. So you like have this whole investor onboarding platform, issuing shares, coordinating with the third party fund administrator to make sure that all the records are synced correctly and the dividends are being issued and all that infrastructure. Um, 
and then you get into the other things, right? Like the smart home control and the Tesla and like all the things that make it magical. And it sounds so crazy that if it didn't actually exist, that people would think that like, this isn't like, it's not like, it does, it's not real. Like it's like, it's yeah. shit. Um, which is cool. Like the fact that you can literally go onto wander.com and like go and stay at one of these houses and you can go and invest in the product and like, it's all real. Um, I think still like kind of blows some folks' minds, like especially as like a young company. Though I do think people are going to get used to it pretty quickly that like um, this experience exists. Like we're already seeing it. Like some people like the t- like some of our repeat guests. Um, it's like the fact that Tesla's there is like just no big deal. It's just like seen as like you know yeah <laughs> yeah of course, of course there's a- yeah, yeah it's like how could I go stay at, like somewhere else like I can't turn on the exactly. light I'm like well this is this is shit. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, like that's the hardest thing is basically having the foresight and having the leadership team that recognizes that certain things take time to bake and you need to plant those seeds in a certain order so that it's like, okay, we're working on this. And by the time this goes live, so will the smart home control or otherwise. Um, so I say really it's like timing and execution. And you see that a lot in other businesses as well. Like you look at Tesla, right? It's like, Think about how many different components need to come together to ship a car and like the software updates and everything else or spacex right or even apple when you release a new iphone and you know the ios that goes with it like it's a lot of things and so you become really really good at um planting seeds getting things to run in parallel and that's really i'd say why like wander has moved so so quickly obviously we're still a very young company um and yeah it's it's really all about execution yeah, it's incredible how you guys have, have so much on the back end, but like from the front end of, of like a user experience, it yeah, seems like magic. everything's so seamless, like you're floating on clouds. So yeah, you shouldn't have the user shouldn't even know that all this shenanigans exist. Like it should be exactly. like, yeah, I downloaded the Wander app and I had a six day, and like mm-hmm. that's it, you know? Yeah, like, or like yeah, like I wanted to invest in the platform, and so I went and invested, and that's it. Um, and that's the thing I'm really excited about next is like. The read is, is our newest product. So like officially launched in February. I think we announced it in November maybe, but like it started taking investment in February. And like, there's so many amazing things that we can do with that product, like moving it into the app and like removing the like, you know, investment minimum and all these different things that will make it just feel fluid. Um, so that's, that's what we're tackling right now. And um, yeah, if, if we're successful and again, blurring that line between customer and owner, like it will be a product experience that like has never existed. Um, mm-hmm. Like you see a little bit of it, like people who own Tesla shares and own a Tesla car and they feel like they're part of the community. Yeah. So have that tightly integrated um, will be a first. And um, yeah, if, if we really can pull it off, it'll be, it should just feel great. Like it should just feel wonderful to the user. So most definitely. I feel like that like the execution is there and once it happens, it's gonna be a game changer. Plus it's like a huge differentiator, I think, too. I mean that you've touched on it, but it's an incredible feeling to like own something that like you truly love and it just builds a following that can steamroll a company into incredible yeah, It's the real it's it's like what I it's what community is actually meant to be. Like community is, is a group of people who are excited about an idea. And then if you mm-hmm. can create ownership inside of that, like that's real community. Um, 
like people who love an idea, who are passionate about it, who own a share of it. And that ownership is real. Like it's not like some like fake concept, like it's, it's real and you can not just like benefit from it in the digital world, but like also in the physical world. It's yeah, it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty exciting. So there's a lot of work to do on it, obviously. And it's super early innings, but yeah, I think if, if we get it right, then um, yeah, it could be really cool. Most definitely. I think you guys have done an incredible job so far. I think like the vetting process is super interesting in my opinion. So if, when you guys are looking at new properties, what can, what like, what comes into play? Are you guys custom building the homes? Are you guys buying, you know, already built homes? Are you guys doing any remodeling to like get up to standards? I know there's probably a good amount of integrations and in, like what you guys have to do with like the smart lights, high speed internet, putting in maybe Tesla chargers. But on top of that, is there anything like unique that Wonder does with their properties when they're vetting? Yeah. So the, the process is pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, so basically we have these massive data troves where we can see occupancy, seasonality, rental rates all the way down to the address. <clears throat> and there are a few, a few of these different data aggregators. We basically like got these massive data dumps for them and built like our own analysis tooling on top of it. And then of course, now we also have like our own data sets. So that basically creates a heat map across the United States and internationally of what areas basically we should put a wander. And then thinking about it again, from a financial product point of view, like what the yield is going to be, occupancy, seasonality, desirability, would have been the trends in terms of appreciation or depreciation, all these different facets. So once we sort of have our core markets, then obviously like the search for the properties begins. So there's there's two different avenues there. You have on-market opportunities and off-market opportunities. And it's really for Wander, it's a mix of both, um, mostly off-market opportunities. So when we think about like what we want to deliver to the guest, we want to have places that just are very um, inspiring, exciting, like you just feel something. And it's sort of like when you open up Architectural Digest and you see those like crazy homes, like those are the homes that we want on our platform because at the end of the day, that's like the experience that the guest is is buying. And we also think it's kind of a cool idea that you have these magical homes and magical locations that was only available to one person for you know however long. And the idea we get to like democratize that experience is super cool. So those are sort of our standards from a guest experience perspective. And then we obviously need to validate that it underwrites and sort of makes sense, sense from a um, sense from a, a uh, an underwriting and financial perspective. Um, and then, yeah, and then we purchase the property, it goes into the REIT and um, it's on the platform and off to the races. I love it. It's definitely an interesting process. It's something that I've always been curious about. So I appreciate you sharing, but this has been an incredible episode. So John, thank you again so much. I appreciate you being on Heading West. Um, and then John, anything else you want to share with anyone listening or watching? And then where can people find you at? Yeah, no, it's been a total pleasure being here. I appreciate you taking the time. And um, and yeah, website is just wander.com and at wander on all the socials. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you, uh, you sharing the story. So. Of course. Thanks again, John. And thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Heading West.